This is Tim Beck, head coach of Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers. Shout out to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It's kind of a lot of fun. Welcome back to the Fun Belt Podcast. We don't have any guests. You just have us tonight. Tonight, you got Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. You got Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Guys, welcome. You know what? We're almost there. We're almost to Sunbelt Media Days, which means we're almost to football. But we don't even, we're not even going to talk about football first, even though football is on our minds. What we're going to do is we're going to soft launch into football, talk a little bit about the Major League Draft. Tim, did you, did you see anything that you liked out of the draft? It was definitely a little bit of a shock. Uh Third straight year, the, the Sun Belt had a day one draftee with Carson Rocaforte going to the Royals in round two, pick 66 overall. I was the most surprised, though, mm-hmm. that Tanner Hall and Levi Wells fell into the fourth round, thinking that they were going to be possibly second or even third round type of selections. Levi Wells, I think, was hurt more so of what he did in the postseason, not really able to get the Cats going uh, up higher in the Sunbelt standings as well as into a regional. That was the difference. In addition to that, Sharky from Coastal Carolina, he's he's going he's gonna to be an O. He's going to be an Oriole. Got to love the good old Orioles. They're surging. They're great. Yeah. Most importantly, though, it's a love-hate relationship Nick Judas, eighth round draftee to the damn Yankees. Why? Well, the Yankees have a right to choose people. And sometimes they're going to choose Sunbelt guys. I'm sorry, Tibbs. You're just going to have to accept it. No, sir. That That's not true. Um, in addition, I mean, uh, you know, I, I mentioned uh, Levi Wells going to the Orioles as well as Teddy Sharkey. The O's also picked up two other fun belt players, getting Zach Fruit, the pitcher from Troy, as well as Matthew Etzel out of Southern Miss. So Zach I guess we Fruit, all got the, the best name in baseball, right? Zach Fruit. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I guess we all got to trade in our, our our school colors for the Orioles. So make sure you you're, you're uh, getting that orange and black hat ready there, Shane. I, yeah, it's not going to happen for me. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll continue to uh, support ODU kind of functioning as a uh, high A team for the my Royals. That helps me out with my uh, with my, with both my Sun Belt and uh, baseball allegiances. There, ODU with one draftee, Sam Armstrong, but he went to my Cubs. Yeah, wait, your Cubs? Wait, you? We you mean your Cubs? What is this? My Cubs. Oh, my God. Oh, if I had known that, I wouldn't be on this podcast. You're not on this podcast. We we just merely cut you in. Is my mic even on? No. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <clears throat> Overall, though, Sunbelt well represented in the Major League Draft. Highest in the G5. Oh, good. Trailing only the likes of the SEC. So... Bastard. 
take it, Jeremy. I know you said that there's no G5 in baseball. No, I never said that. I said there's a G5 in baseball and basketball. There's a G5. We can go in. We can we can have this argument some other time because every time we have this argument, it gets passionate, right? Like I, I if you, if you argue about a G5 in basketball, there's always going to be some clown talking about the Big East. I don't give a shit about the Big East. I'm talking about the group of five. Okay, but look, you got me talking about this, Tibbs. We're not even supposed to be talking about this. We're talking about Major League Baseball. That's all I got for you. I mean, what what, what more do you want? Did you watch the home run contest? I did not, but I definitely watched the highlights of that kid taking a ball to the beak. <laughs> I was uh, I very, very proud of, of Vlad for, for smashing that kid. Head on a swivel. You got a glove. Use it, kiddo. I only saw the impact. I did not see the aftermath. Is the kid okay? Was there blood? Was he uncomfortable? Irrelevant. None of that's relevant. Okay. I, I, you know, I didn't see a lot of news stories about heroic kid in a hospital. So I, I just assumed that everything was okay. How about the all-star game? Shane, do you watch the major league all-star game, especially not with them really. all wearing the same outfits? Not, not really. Not much. I <clears throat> used to look forward to it when I was a kid, but haven't really spent a whole lot of time on it in recent years. I used to get, break out the VCR and record the, the, the all-star game every year. Like I, I thought I would, I would re-rock, watch them, never rewatched them. I think my dad recorded over them every time, but now I could care less about the all-star game. I yeah. used to love it. Now I don't even recognize who the all-stars are. I'm like, who are these guys? But speaking of all-stars, Shane and Tim's, the Sunbelt is bringing their own all-stars to Sunbelt Media Days. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll be there, Jeremy. Well, yeah, we're the all-stars. People will be asking for Listen, Shane, if you happen to show up, it, here's what happens. There's a lot of groupies, Sunbelt podcast, podcast groupies that approach us, and we try to be as nice as we can, you know, accommodating. With the autographs and the selfies and, you know, what whatever it takes. But, I mean, I've lost my cool a few times. You know, I don't like to be touched. So, that, you get a good side of me and a bad side of me. Tibbs, he's a lot gentler. He's a gentle giant out there. You know, he loves the kids, love, loves the ladies, loves, you know, everybody out there. Me, I can't quite take it. So, Shane, if you should, if you come down, if you could be a buffer, could use your Pulitzer yeah. Prize winning intellect. To, to keep the masses away from us. That would be great. I, I am good at repelling people, so I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the Sun Belt did announce who from the East and who from the West the coaches were bringing. And uh, does this interest you at all? It always kind of interests me. I always want to see who the coaches think is bring-worthy to Sun Belt Media Days. Like, if they bring the quarterback, you know they're saying, well, this is going to be our quarterback. Like, for instance, Marshall is bringing Fancher, right? He's the guy who had seemed to have a lot of trouble last season. You know, he, he, he was off and on. He'd, he'd play. Sometimes he'd get replaced. Sometimes he'd get back in. But here now the coach is saying, hey, listen, I guess Charlie Huff is saying, listen, this is our guy. He's at Sunbelt Media Day. Ask him all the questions you want. You agree with me on that? Is that what he's saying? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't see who Marshall has that's going to beat him out. Anyway, so yeah. it makes sense to some degree, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it does probably help maybe just uh, 
put that much more confidence behind. Okay, you, you, you are, when you've got a guy like that, who's not Grayson McCall, mm-hmm. but he's your guy. It, it does make sense to kind of say like, yeah, hey, we're, we're, we're behind you. This is, you know, it's yours. It's your job. You are a guy, you're a leader. So, you know, kind of, you know, just, uh, what I'm trying to say, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. You mean you're, you're it, I think it's just that extra boost of confidence. Maybe, you know, if you don't send him, he might wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why I know that Butch Jones isn't bringing a quarterback. He's got three to choose from. He doesn't want to say, Hey, you're the guy. He's got a whole Bring uh, three. Yeah. Well, I could do that. That would be hilarious. But speaking of quarterbacks from the East, because we're talking about the East today, Coastal Carolina's bringing Grayson McCall and George State's bringing Darren Granger, both really good quarterbacks. I'm glad to see those guys. Those guys are going to be cool to interview when they come down to the Fun Belt podcast pod room, pod quarters to check us out. I hope you're not hungover again, Jeremy. Because it's going to be great talking to the five-time Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. He's so great. They're going to give him Freshman of the Year again, Grayson McCall. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to be I'm so hung to- up. I'm going to be so hung over, Tibbs. I'm going to call him Jason McCall. That's that's where what's going to happen. It would be like a tradition that you just use the wrong name. I know. I, I mean, I'm carry it over. You, you've been with us now for three years, and you still don't know our name, so. Yeah, what difference does know, it make? It's it's like it's it's sort of my brand. So yeah. I'm anxious though to not only obviously talk to Grayson McCall, really the face of the Sun Belt, really help propel him into that top G5 spot. But I want to talk to Darren Granger at, at yeah. Georgia State and see if we can get to the root of what is going on with the Panthers. They have all the talent, they have all the pieces, but coming out of the gate, there's just nothing there. Now, the second half of the season, fantastic team. Now, do we want to see a hot Panthers team in the beginning and then they just die at the midseason point? No, we want to see a good team all the way through. So I think that that's going to be one of our big talking points with Darren Granger and Sean Elliott as I'm standing behind Shane to protect me from from Elliott. (laughs) Elliott Um, might headbutt you. (laughs) He he is the one coach, I think, in all of the Sun Belt that that I I, I got to make sure that he stays at arm's length away, and I know where the closest exit is. Uh, he feels like a guy. And I don't know if he has a short fuse. I don't think that's what it is. I feel like he just gets excitable. Like you okay. know, I think there's that footage where he headbutts his own teammates or his own players, and they're wearing helmets and he's not. You know, that's that you can't. That guy is unpredictable. You you can't you can't bring him to a high society party. You don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, I would love to because I'm a little afraid for Elliot. I'm I'm like, is this his hot seat season? Because Georgia, the Georgia State Panthers, they keep doing this, where they're thought to be like maybe a disruptor in the East, and then they don't do it. So sometimes I'm wondering if this is if, is this it? Is this the year where they better show something? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that more. What I want to ask you, Shane, is who are these guys that Signetti is bringing? He's got here on the list, Kidwell, who's a redshirt senior, I guess, offensive lineman, and Josh Rott. He's a safety. Who are these guys? 
Should I know them? You should, especially Kidwell. Kidwell's an all-conference okay. type of guy. And Sarai, I thought that was a really interesting pick because he's good. Okay. I wouldn't say he's their best defensive player. All right, all right. But he will be a popular guy mm. down there in New Orleans talking to. He, he's fun to talk to. He's a senior, and that's kind of what interview. they like. I've seen them bring guys to Sunbelt Media Days, and they don't belong in front of a camera. They may be good football players. They may be good students, but they are not compelling. So you're saying the Surratt guy, he's going to charm everybody. Yeah. I mean, you may ask him about, uh, you know, coverage packages and end up hearing something about, like, his favorite hip-hop group or something like that. But, like, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun interview. Um, and they finally – he is listed as Josh on the, uh, Ooh, okay. on the list of players coming. Is. But JMU finally changed it on the roster after, I think, four years of him begging to cheese <laughs> Surratt. He goes by cheese. Cheese. So if you come up to him and call him cheese, you'll probably score points with them right away. All right, Tibbs, are you writing that down? No, just a mental oh. note. And, yeah. and I think something like that, I, I will uh, definitely remember things like that. Because there's a good chance that I'll forget who's cheese and I'll call Grayson yeah. McCall, Grayson Cheese McCall. So no, I, I so he's the big cheese. And his brother just transferred into JMU, oh, who okay. doesn't have a cool nickname like that. I think they were trying to force it on Elijah Sherratt. But, uh, uh, but yeah, nah. That's bad when you're the little brother and the big brother has a, a nickname and they're like, remember like Rocket Ishmael and then his brother comes in and they're like, uh, uh, missile, missile. Yeah. <laughs> what a shit. Yeah, they're trying to find something to fit, but it doesn't. I think they're forcing <laughs> it a little bit with Elijah. Yeah. 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 So maybe just let it happen organically. You yeah. know, something will pop up. Like, you know, in when I played football, I was harpoon harper because I hit people so hard. Like a harpoon. <laughs> Harper, yeah. I don't believe that. So Old Dominion's bringing a a harpoon. They're bringing J, uh, Jason Henderson. We like Jason Henderson, right, Tibbs? I mean, he he set all kind of NCAA records, right, with like six thousand tackles and in a single play. And I think he ended the season with a, a billion and a half. I mean, yeah, he he's a good player. He's a guy that's going to be playing at the next level. Just got to make sure he keeps healthy this year. But if he if he keeps kind of the status quo, maybe even slightly slips a little bit, he'll be fine, and we'll be hearing his name uh, called in the NFL draft this upcoming year. You don't think he's another Carlton Marshall? Not at all. I, I think that Carlton Marshall really had the issue of, of the physical size. He was an undersized guy and just was not going to get the looks at the NFL level. I think him going to the CFL is going to be great for him. I think he's really going to excel up there and has a chance to, to do the same things he did at Troy. But for right now, I think Jason Henderson is, is really the big name defensively in the Sunbelt East this year. And we're going to see it. I, I think that that is going to be the real anchor for the uh, Monarchs defense this upcoming year. I don't think it makes a difference because I don't think that they're going to be as a whole contenders in the East, but I de definitely think that that defense led by Henderson is going to be uh, pretty solid. So App State, Sean Clark, well, I like Sean Clark. He brings Isaiah Helms, the senior offensive lineman. 
and Nick Ross, the senior safety. I am not very familiar with either one, especially offensive offensive linemen. You know, I love having them over, by the way, because they're always smart and they're funny and they're big. And they just like when they walk through the room, they're wearing their suits and stuff. But they're obviously offensive linemen. Right. I love them. But it's always curious to me that those are the guys that coaches bring. Why are they? Why are we seeing so many offensive linemen? Is it because? Is it? Oh, dare I say? Has the Sun Belt become an offensive lineman conference with bigs in the trenches? I mean, it it doesn't matter how good Grace McCall is. It doesn't matter how good Chase Bryce was. It doesn't matter how good Darren Granger is. If you don't have a line in front of you, you suck. Because you're gonna ha- you're gonna be scrambling for your life. You're gonna be getting the mess pummeled out of you. You you got to have the big boys up front, and, and I think this is their chance to really shine and showcase uh, what they're about and and their skills. I think we saw that last year with Austin Stidham, and that really kind of parlayed and helped him get the camp invites to continue on to that next level. Best offensive line in the Sun Belt East is it JMU or is it Appalachian State? It's probably App State right now. Oh, uh, but, hey, I don't mean, say anything that's going to get people mad at you, all right? Like, because I know you have a history. I, don't know. I mean, I feel like App State's probably got the two to three possible first-team all-conference type guys. But JMU, I mean, you can't beat bringing everybody back. Like, basically, their top seven linemen are back, and you can't beat that continuity. So mm-hmm. – Either one of those teams, I think, is a solid choice for that. That's very diplomatic of you, Shane Metlin. I think you're growing up. I think you've become more mature. <laughs> I'm just a little, I'm just honest. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Let's start talking about these teams. You know, we're, we've, we've come to the point. I, I don't know if it's premature to talk about teams now without having the data that you would get from uh, fall practice. I don't know. But I think we're just going to do it anyway, right? Because of course, yeah. Because screw all these other wimps that don't have the balls to make these predictions, but we do. We're going to do it, come hell or high water. So, so start I, at the bottom. Do we want to start who, at the bottom, please? Okay, start right. at the bottom. Who who do you think is just really going to shit the bed and not be a contender, but a pretender in the East this year? Shame, please. I'm not <laughs> expecting. A, I'm not expecting a lot from Old Dominion, honestly. Nobody I, is. Yeah, I, <laughs> just, they've got to rebuild. It's taken them a while. They've, you know, they've got to adjust to being in a tougher conference, and you know, they're not necessarily winning the recruiting battles against JMU and App State and Coastal, and those teams seem to be going after all the same kids, and it, it's it's tough go for. For ODU right now, I, we we talked about you know Jason Henderson. Seems like they always got a couple of those NFL guys, but they don't have the whole team around them, and it's just yeah. it's been tough for Ricky Ronnie so far. Yeah, and here's the thing about the Monarch Shane: they lost Allie Jennings, one of the best wide receivers that was in the Sun Belt last year. They lose Zach <laughs> Nuts. It's nuts or cunts. <laughs> Either way, it's terrible. <laughs> He, he's, he's playing in the NFL. Coots, yeah, okay. That's horrible. We're not editing that out, by the way. I want it in. 
And then, of course, they lose Hayden Wolf, who wasn't like the best quarterback, but he brought some continuity. But that's he was three serviceable. guys. Yeah, that's yeah. three guys you got to replace. And, and they weren't world beaters to begin with on offense or defense. Well, on defense, they, they had their moments. So now they don't have any offense. So to, to me, like the East is one of these things where, where, um, all right, well, here's, here's my, here's my overall thing about the East that made it very hard for me to prognosticate the East lost a lot of talent guys. Here are the talents that they lost. Let's, let's, let's just count it on our fingers. Marshall's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> not Marshall. Where's my list? Oh, here we go. Chase Bryce, gone. Allie Jennings, gone. Todd Santeo, gone. Nick Hampton, gone. Willie Lampkin, gone. Cal, Kyle Van Treese, the prolific quarterback from Georgia, Georgia Southern, gone. Kalen Laborn, gone. These guys were incredible talents. And now they're out of the East. They're just vanished. How do you replace all that? It, to me, it makes it very hard to figure out who in the East is going to be good. But it seemed like the, the consensus was that Old Dominion was not going to be good. Yeah, well, you mentioned all those guys. A lot of them, you know there's somebody else on a lot of those teams. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, Khalil no. Laborn. Okay, yeah, they've got another guy. You know, you know, uh, you know, those quarterbacks that are lost, teams brought in transfers. ODU, I they lost Hayden Wolf and Ricky Ronnie when they had mm. the like, you know, spring teleconference basically promised there was another transfer coming in and unless I've missed it that hasn't happened yet like you know it's I, I you know there looks like they're gonna go with Grant Wilson quarterback who played at Fordham like I don't unless you were a star at Fordham I don't see you coming into the Sun Belt and getting the job done it's just but then, but then again you never know you never know yeah. Just be an awesome quarterback, but yeah, you're right. So you're right. Old Dominion didn't do make the moves that you would normally expect to see in the off season, and they're going to be paying the price. At the sixth spot for me, yeah. I actually have Georgia Southern because okay, I think that the loss that they had of Kyle Ventries and what they did last year was a year ahead of schedule, and and, and I don't mean that. This year, they're going to be even bigger world beaters. Yes, they went to Nebraska and put them out of their misery. But I feel like this is the year where we kind of see what Georgia Southern under Clay Helton is really like. And, and I'm not saying they're going over, so stop the hate mail already. You're I'm dead. saying that they're, that, they're, that they're a five or six win team. And I think the expectations, though, are that they're at the eight to 10 wins uh, on the season. And and so I think that they're going to underachieve. And to me, they're the, the sixth team in the East. Yeah. You know what? I've bitten on that hype though, Dusty, you know, Davis Brin, he comes in from Tulsa and I've seen him play. He's not, I don't know if he's Van Trees, uh, but they, they've got a great, they've got two great wide receivers out there. They've got a great running back out there. And then they have this sort of funky ass defense that they need to get better. And then they have Clay Help. I, I feel like Georgia Southern this year is is what Georgia Georgia State was supposed to be last season. A disruptor, a team that can come in and cause a lot of trouble in the power struggle in the East. I think potentially they could win the East. 
Now, I understand what you're saying. They were way ahead of schedule last year. Way I ahead. Think, I think some of us predicted Georgia Southern to finish last in the East last year. I think I was among those people. They surprised the hell out of me. I wouldn't be surprised if they took that sophomore step back. But for some reason, I'm like all in on the Clay Helton trade. I picked them to finish fourth. But if they finished first, I'd be like, why not? I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, I have a hard time arguing with either one of you guys. Like, I'm Jordan Southern. Just, I mean, well, I'm sure we're getting to it. But I, I feel like there's two teams in the East that I probably think are the most likely to win it. And then I could see the whole rest. And I, and I think ODU is going to be last. And then I could see the whole rest of them being right there in that, like, battle yeah. for bowl eligibility. And, like, the difference between seven and five and five and seven is really slim. To me, the East is a little bit like the West last year, where it felt like anybody could win in the West. I feel like anybody can win in the East. I feel like there's just a, uh, a, I don't know, like a parody that's happened in the East. Now, there are good teams in the East that that on paper seem to be better than most. But, man, it just seems like that's going to be the buzzsaw. That's going to be where the fight is. In the five spot, to me, the Mountaineers. They have a lot of ground to, to, to make up from last year. Last year's team, yeah. I didn't see the AM game coming. I didn't see the miracle on the mountaintop against Troy. But that team, to say they underachieved is a way understatement. That oh, team yeah. should have been nationally ranked, should have been in double-digit wins, and didn't do it. And a lot of the key parts of that team – are no more and no longer in boot. Mm. Yeah. You know, Bryce is somebody that they're going to miss. You know, when you talk to an Appalachian <laughs> State fan, they, they always look past that. Oh, we've got another great guy in the wings, you know, but they've got that great offensive line and they're always going to have a strong defense. And I always felt like Sean Clark is a guy who probably stewed all off season, just burning with, with, with 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 just Appalachian anger, seeing how bad his team performed. I mean, let's admit it. That team was the sloppiest Appalachian State team we've seen since they joined the Sun Belt back in, what, like 2015 or whenever it was. They were a sloppy-ass team. And I just don't feel like Sean Clark is going to allow that to continue to happen. I actually picked them to finish first in the Sun Belt East. I wouldn't go as far as picking them first, but I – you know, it it seemed like, you know, even just reading between the lines on social media, things like that, like there were locker room issues last year. It really seemed like. Um, and now some of those guys are gone. Yeah. But that, that brings question marks. But maybe it also brings, you know, maybe addition by subtraction. Potentially, you don't know until you get out there to see them. They made some changes to the staff. Yeah, it's it's a big, big year for Appalachian State. Like. You know, not not to, you know, twist a knife on you, Jeremy, but like we can go back in time to when Arkansas State was kind of like what we'd seen from Appalachian State in recent years. And then it started to like slip away yep. at some point and it can go fast and be hard to turn around. And so this is a big year for App State to not kind of like go in that direction. All right. I've got a question for you guys. Then. Who's on a hotter seat this year, Sean Clark or Sean Elliott? That's kind of tough because 
six and six means completely different things in those two places. And I can see exactly both of those teams being, uh, being right around there. Wow. That is an excellent answer. Okay. We're at number four. All right. My number four team in the East, the team that way over achieved in their inaugural season in FBS and in the Sun Belt. The Shane Metlin sponsored James <laughs> Madison Dukes. They I, were great last year, but we yeah. had no expectations coming None. into the season to know what we were Nico. getting. <laughs> and then once we saw them, we were like, they're fantastic. But that entire team is gone. So what does Kurt Signetti do in the recruiting as he faces again that sophomore season? Is it a step up? the status quo, or is he going backwards? Here's one thing that, like I had done my, just like I did this year, I had, I had done my preseason ranking before Sunbelt Media Days, and that was before I met Signetti. And I remember Signetti got up at, at uh, you probably remember this too, Tim, he got up at the podium, and he seemed pissed that his team was selected last. To finish last in the East, he was like kind of grumbling, you know, we just want to, you know, our, our division or our, our conference last year, and we've always been in the mix for national championships. So I don't know what else we have to do. You could tell that he took that personally. And so ever since then, I've, I've been like, don't, don't like, like, uh, uh, underestimate Kurt Signetti. That being said, Uh, yeah, the uh, JMU's got some issues. Sure, you know what? How much of that success, by the way, was Todd Centeno? That guy was incredible. Replacing Centeno, who knows? Is it Jordan McLeod? He's a dual threat from Arizona. Two-star recruit. I don't, I don't know. He might be the guy. You're losing Isaac. I, I'm going to mispronounce this. Ukwu? Ukwu, yep. He was outstanding. He transfers out. He was a Sunbelt first team teamer. He's still got some, they still, listen, that offensive line is still great. There's still good guys on the defensive line. But maybe if anybody's going to have a sophomore slump, it's going to be James Madison. No longer having that big chip on their shoulder, having already proved that they belong. I could see a little bit of coasting happening. And fourth might be where James Madison belongs. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it, it sounds way too simple to just put it all in the quarterback. But if <laughs> if they get another Todd Santeo season out of the next guy, probably Jordan McLeod, then I think they're going to win the East again. Honestly, like I don't. There's not too many places where I don't think that they had talent that they either had talent waiting to step up or they didn't replace it in the transfer portal that other than, you know, quarterbacks, the question, and I think you got to give Signetti the benefit of the doubt with the quarterbacks. Like it's, you know, he comes to JMU, he takes, you know, a Ben DiNucci who put up poor numbers the year before under Mike Houston, he coaches Ben DiNucci, Ben DiNucci goes to the NFL. Then it's, you know, Cole Johnson the next year, replaces Danucci. He was a former walk-on, becomes the best quarterback in the FCS. 
And then after that, it's Centeno. Average numbers at Colorado State, too many turnovers. Comes to JMU, works with Signetti and Tino Sinceri, the quarterback coach, and is the offensive player of the year. If he does it again with the fourth guy, they're going, really, they're going to be really, really good. But is it Jordan McLeod? Can you count on that happening year in, year out? I don't know. I mean, a lot of that's the coaching's obviously great, but it's a lot of that's on the kid too to like come in and get the job done. I tell you what, Coach Signetti, if he hears this podcast and hears me besmirching JMU, he will put out an invisible cigarette into my eye. I know he will. He had he just has that sort of sort of intensity about him. Like he'll break my thumbs. But then actually I met him like at the bar afterwards. He was just chilling, having a beer, talking about his grandkids or whatever. He seemed like a good guy. He seems like a just a chill guy when he's not behind a podium. Yeah, if he's the the like, you know, two to three hours a month, he's like out of football mode. He's a pretty chill guy. <laughs> Number three in the east. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is too high, but this is just kind of where they're shaking out and, and falling into place. Darren Granger and his Georgia State Panthers look to improve on their four and eight record from last year and have Sean Elliott hoisting some kind of hardware in the postseason once again as they won the Camellia Bowl two seasons ago, but failed to really do much of anything this past year. I like Granger. I like the maturity of this team. I think that they finally have the pieces together to make a run at the East. Do I think they're going to make it? No, I don't. But I think that they have a chance to make a run at it. Here's what, here's the problem. All that is true, Shay, or Shay. All that is true, Dusty. What you've just said, it's all astute observations made by a very astute man. That being said, we say that about Georgia State every year. There is something about Georgia State that prevents them to succeed. I don't know if there's too much smog in Atlanta. I don't know if if they party too hard the first weeks of the season over there, but they never seem to get the ball rolling soon enough to make a real impact on the Sun Belt. And I love Granger. Granger is a great quarterback. He is somebody to really fear if you're playing Darren Granger. The guy can run, he can throw, he can do everything. That defense wasn't good last year. I don't know if it got any better this year. I think of all the people in the Sun Belt who might be in some trouble, it might be Sean Elliott. Everybody likes Sean Elliott. He seems like a great guy. I love what he did with the offensive line at Georgia State. In fact, we always talk about who's got the best offensive line in the East, and we'll say JMU or we'll say Appalachian State. But, man, Georgia State puts out some really good offensive linemen. They've got a great one this year. So what what is preventing Georgia State from winning the East? Tips, I don't know. (laughs) But there's something, and I'm not going to put any faith in them until they show me something. Back me up on this, Metlin. Hey, I'm in, yeah, more with you than I am, Dusty, I think, on this one. If I was, like, I'd probably have them closer to sixth than third, honestly. Just kind of with you, like, yeah, show me something before I, like, put too much faith in you. 
not that it would surprise me if they were more middle of the pack, but it's just, oh. yeah, there's a lot of, you know, Granger's coming back and he's, he's great, but there's a lot of new faces, other places they got to integrate into it. You, know, you talk about the offensive line. Yeah. They seem to do well there, but it's a lot of new guys starting for them. Yeah, I just, yeah, not super high on Georgia state right now. So we come to the top two. Okay. There's a reason mm-hmm. that I picked my number one team over my number two team. And again, this is this is my bias poll. Okay. My number two team, the Huff Shuffle okay. of Charlie Huff and the Thundering Herd, second in the East. I think that they have another great year, though. I think that they go to a bowl. They go postseason. They might even have another big upset win this year. But – if we don't know how Cam Fancher is going to play, that is one of the wild cards in this. I think the other wild card and, and a little bit easier path, less resistance for the number one team, obviously being Coastal Carolina, they don't have to play Troy. They don't have to play South Alabama on the crossover schedule. They have an easier road to winning the East than Marshall does. And isn't that always the story? Tibbs with Coastal Carolina. It always seems like they have the easiest schedule known to man, whether it's their OOC or this year it's their conference schedule. There's always something that seems to play right for Coastal Carolina. Maybe we need to open an investigation and get old uh, uh, Commissioner Gill on the stand because we need to figure out why there's so much uh, difference paid chant the clears. But your your point on Marshall is correct. I, I love that Rashida Lee is coming back. I, I, I would love to see him in the Sun Belt have a full season. You know, he was my preseason guy last year. I couldn't wait to see him in action. And then, you know, he was gone for the majority of the season. And then and they ended up having another uh, running back do very well in his stead. And now he's back. He's going to be the mad man. I, I don't know. It, it does, does the Thundering Herd shake that all off and, and have that great season? You know, they beat Notre Dame. And you think, did they... Was that their curse? Beating Notre Dame? Have they shaken off that curse? Have they shaken off that malaise? You know, are they going to survive in the East? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. If, are we pairing Coastal Carolina and Marshall in this? Because I want to talk a little bit about Coastal, too, in that. No. Uh, so, so here's the last thing uh, that, uh, that I have, at least on, on Marshall, before I give it to Shane. We talked about scheduling and how easy it is for Coastal. It's the complete opposite from Marshall. They have road trips going to South Alabama, to Coastal, and to App State this year. That schedule would probably be my hesitation about making Marshall number one. But I probably, if I was making my own rankings, I probably would put Marshall number one. I, I think, I think they can win a lot of games if Fancher is even an average to above average quarterback. He doesn't have to be great. They won a lot of games with him starting last year when they finally just made the switch, went away from a uh, Columbia who was supposed to be the guy and just was kind of, kind of eh for them. Okay. But not great. Um, you know, I think the way they can run the ball as good as that defense is, if he just manages the game, well, they're going to beat a lot of teams, but like you said, going on the road to like app or, South Alabama, that's, those aren't going to be easy places to win. 
and and it doesn't Huff bring Charlie Huff bringing Fancher kind of say, hey, listen, I I have all yeah. the faith of all in this guy. Yes, faith was the word I was looking for earlier, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> earlier in this broadcast, yeah. I have faith. Yes. I have faith in Fancher. Yes. <laughs> I guess we'll have to see, but yeah, that's. that's I guess well, I guess we'll have plenty of questions for Fancher when he comes yeah. in. So Coastal then Tibbs, they they're your number one preseason East champions. Tell us why. I th- I think really as, as uh, the voice of the shots has told us so many times, <laughs> QB one. I, I I think he's the real difference maker. I think that they got Sam Pickney back for another. Season yeah. as well as running backs, Braden Bennett and Reese White, they're a complete offensive threat. Um, and honestly, it doesn't matter how good or bad that defense is, they're going to outscore you and, and win games that way. And they have a pretty good defense, not taking anything away from that side of the ball. You know, also, they picked, they had a kind of a fascinating pickup over the uh, offseason. They ended up picking up a uh, Kane Barong from the Notre Dame, the tight end, former four star recruit. Could he be the next Isaiah Likely in McCall's offense? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that might be asking too much. But I remember last season, uh, at this time last year, no one knew if McCall was going to be even fully recovered. He had had a couple injuries that happened in the season previous. He was still rehabbing from those. Now he's got sort of a different issue coming in. He he, With Jamie Chadwell leaving. And actually, that's what gives me the most pause was that Jamie Chadwell left. They kind of left maybe monetarily for more money, of course. But it, in a way, it was it felt like a lateral move to Conference USA, the Liberty. Uh, it, it felt to me like maybe he knows something. <laughs> you know, when you see a coach do that, sometimes they like leave while the while the getting's good. Uh, so, and then Grayson McCall wanted to leave too. He was on his way. He was talking to uh, to Auburn, ready to ready to be the starting QB there. Uh, whatever happened, happened. There's all sorts of rumors why he didn't go to Auburn, came back to to um, to Coastal Carolina, to Conway, South Carolina. He's back. He's going to have a great season there. But is his head right? Does he have all the tools he needs? I don't know. And, and the way they played last year, especially the end of the season, I think they lost three of their last four, looked really terrible against guys like JMU and then the – and in the their bowl game against Eastern Carolina got blown out. You could tell they just they just weren't all there. So I have I actually have Coastal Carolina finishing third, and that might be too generous. Uh, but like you said, Tibbs, you you can't count on count out Grayson McCall. He might be good for eight wins just by himself. Yeah, I don't know if he is. <laughs> I mean, somebody's <laughs> got to protect him, and he's got to get the ball to somebody. I I don't know. I mean, he's. Can he do it all by himself? I think that's the big question. Like what and what will he fit into a slightly different scenario with coaching? Uh, you know, obviously he and Chadwell were kind of made for each other. Um, back? I don't know. I don't know what his offense is going to be like. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be obviously a guy that talented can do some things pretty much anywhere you put him, but yeah, it's not, it's not the guy who recruited him there. It's not the guy who developed him there. It's, you know, I think it's a completely different situation. I think there's as many question marks about Coastal as there is pretty much any team in the conference right now. But that's the East. 
Okay. Everyone pretty happy with those findings? I know, Shane, you said you would have things ranked a little differently. But I, but I feel like that's a pretty fair shake and a, pr- a pretty good explanation of, of the pecking order of how we had it. Anybody that you're just like, no, nah, they, they need to be higher, they need to be lower. I think Georgia Southern needs to be a little bit higher. Uh, but like I said, I've bought into them. Shane? Yeah, I mean, I would probably put Georgia State a little lower than where <laughs> we talked about them. Uh, to me, I just feel like, you know, Marshall's probably the safest bet at the top. Maybe when we talk about how, all the question marks everyone has, I feel like Marshall's going to be able to stop people. They're going to be able to run the ball on people. And they've got a known quantity at quarterback. To me, it's just a safer bet maybe to go with Marshall at the top. But I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, anybody from JMU to App State to Coastal could top them. Wouldn't be shocking to me. I think we all agree Old Dominion's the worst, but that's why they're probably going to win the uh, Sun Bell East, right? (laughs) (laughs) True story there. Week and a half until we are in New Orleans ready for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Jeremy and myself, of course, will be there for that. Still trying to get Shane to uh, get off the couch and, yeah. and uh, not be afraid get of going down Bourbon Street. Yeah. It, it's it's not as scary as you think. You, gotta, you just got to walk with confidence. <laughs> Another confidence walk that you have to have, Jeremy. Uh-huh. It's whenever we have plugs, promos, and parting shots. All right. Yeah. Well, all right. We were talking about the uh, predictions that we've made. Uh, tonight, we made predictions for the Sun Belt East, which to me is uh, it, it's a lot more puzzling this year than it was last year. Even though last year, we got a lot of predictions wrong for the Sun Belt East. But the picture seemed to be easier to see. This year, the picture seems to be more blurry to me. But uh, you can check out my Sunbelt predictions on howlraiser.com, where not only have I predicted the East, I've predicted the West. I've picked out some players to look out for. And uh, so check it out. Give me a few uh, give me a few pings. I'd appreciate it. Go ahead there, Sean. Shane. Sean! Uh, yes! I'm not the <laughs> only one. <laughs> yeah, well, we talked a little bit. I guess that was off air about the uh, midseason classic, the uh, all-star break in baseball, whether or not people watch home run derby mm-hmm. or not. I just want to throw a shout out to the old school home run derby. Does anybody else remember? This is way before our time, but then it was of our time. Like they showed reruns in the afternoon when we were kids of the old home run derbies from like the fifties and sixties, where it was like, Oh, a weekday TV show and they would get like, you know, like Mickey Mantle versus Harmon Killebrew, like for a half an hour doing a home run derby. And these guys needed the like thousand bucks or whatever they could win to like, (laughs) that's my shout out to like, I don't know if anybody still watches the home run derby of today, but if you can find that, I don't know, it's probably on YouTube or something. That show was actually really cool, really fun. See the stars of, you know, our grandfather's days uh, play. It it was, see their personalities. Like, you don't really know that much about, like, what Willie Mays was like because, you know, he didn't have Twitter. 
<laughs> when he was a player. That's like your one like sort of like in look into like what some of these guys that are in the Hall of Fame now were like. And it's it's pretty cool if you can like find that. Yeah, that's funny. You really have to dig deep into biographies biographies to find out just who were dicks and who wasn't. Like like Ted Williams, for instance. That guy. That guy was a real card. <laughs> so, but but his persona, public persona, was that he was the splendid splitter, you know, just a just a just a uh, you know, one of the best hitters that you'll ever see and World War II uh hero. And then you know, he's he's kind of a weirdo out, out of uniform. But yeah, yeah, I love that old footage. And it's always like like Dick Long and 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 some other guy, and or it might be Willie Mays. And the winner yeah. won like five to three. <laughs> now you got hit like yeah. almost a hundred home runs to win, which is crazy to me. It's been a few weeks, but the Sun Belt Conference continued to dominate the professional ranks Ooh. as the USFL's Birmingham Stallions led yes. by running back C.J. Marable of Coastal Carolina, claimed the trophy. I love the USFL, maybe not as much as CFL, because I love the longer fields, unlimited motion. It's a great game. Got to jump on board. NCAA needs to adopt getting that 12th guy on the field. <laughs> Would that be cool? You know, I wish that I could get enough bandwidth to get involved in USFL and XFL and all these other and Canadian league, all these other places, because football's football. It's just fun to watch no matter what. If it pops up on ESPN and you just happen to be watching it, you never regret it. It's always good. So I, 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 I wish, I wish luck to these other leagues. I hope, I hope they pan out. I hope they become very successful because I think there's more room in the landscape than just NFL and college football. For Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper, HalRazor.com, and Shane Metlin of the newspaper that Jeremy can never say, the Daily News Record. Your Fun Belt Podcast. We'll be back next week as we talk about the most important division in the Sun Belt Conference, that, of course, being the Sun Belt Conference Western Division. And, guys, I have a dark horse for that next week. Uh, we know it's boob cats. You can tell us. <laughs> You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.